Good morning, Phoebe. Good morning, Jemima. This is a very special uh, morning edition, uh, at least specific time. So we don't have the white wine. We've switched white wine for coffee and we're buzzed and ready to go, people. Yeah, we're switching white wine for black coffee. <laughs> um, so maybe maybe this pod, I don't know if the pod is going to be better or worse or just different. We're just Hard to say. Yeah, on the different, on our different drugs. Our different drugs. Um, well, as always, I'm Gemma. And I'm Phoebe. And this is Money Can't Buy You Class, which is a, a look into reality TV through the lens of critical theory. And today we are looking at this co- question of kind of like the future in reality TV. What's next? Because, of course, we have all these kinds of we have this mon- monumental ending of keeping up with the Kardashians shooting their final season. Um, and so, you know, as a public, we know that they're ending and now we get to watch the process of that happening. Uh, so the latest, the latest episode is episode eight, episode nine just aired last night, but we have not watched it yet. But episode eight, um, is the episode where they announce to the crew and they kind of come forward in conversation about the show ending. This is the first time they've said it on the show. So it's a pretty monumental episode. Um, what did you think about it? That, yeah, that was like the moment, um, that was the moment that the premieres and the advertisements and the commercials had had shown. Like that was kind of the deciding moment. I actually didn't think it was going to happen uh, so soon. I would say like two months in, I thought that it was either going to be at the very beginning or it would be at the very end, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it it's, it's kind of interesting to me because it makes me think about, you, you know, so the, as, 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 as watchers of these shows season by season, know, each season has their own drama, you know, it has like, it has like the one issue that they focus on. And then, of course, they're like little issues that are resolved in between, but there's like the one arch. So I thought that the that the arch would be this is the last season. But to me, that they and they also the way that they framed um, them them telling the crew, like the episode began with having the baby shower for the crew. Yeah, like for the producer, because I I thought that that was really interesting. This like that we we started that right we started the episode with this display of intimacy and closeness between the family and members of their crew so so they immediately were setting the tone which felt like very really intentional this whole episode i felt thought felt really con- intentionally constructed like in a way that felt like more palpable than in other, because obviously they're all constructed, but this one felt very intentional, like kind of wanting to give us a very step-by-step clear path as how to navigate this. And I think that in part, this ending of the show on the show is kind of acting as this like big reveal. It's like the fourth wall is being like clobbered down. We are just in it with the crew. We're seeing the crew for the first time. The cameras, you know, are 
you know, facing the crew for the first time, this idea, like, so the perspective of the show is really dramatically changing. And the next episode that comes out, I've seen a little bit of previews of, it's like, it seems like the fourth wall gets even more broken down because it's like taking in this like Instagrammer who does this Instagram and they like find out who she is and they talk to her about the process of the show. So I feel like that's a really, that really stuck with me. This like this feeling of like the end is also a reveal. Wait, have you not, did you not see the one with the Instagrammer? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I saw that one. Okay, yeah, talk about it. That's a fast, okay, that's a, there's, there's, um, as we always say, there's a lot to talk about <laughs> with this, but there, but there really is because, um, so, so the show, they announce that the show is over. And then the next episode is, I, I really do like that idea about the reveal, but I'm just, I, I also had, I had another idea. I think that the next episode, it's about surrogacy. Because what's being revealed to us is that the arc of this season, of the final season, it's not an ending. That's what they keep underlining. They say, this is not a real end. So the, so episode eight, you know, there are a lot of little issues and they're, uh, one of them is that Scott is like, when am I going to see you? You guys are my family. I'm never going to see you again. And they're like, oh, don't worry. Just because the show is ending, we will still continue forward. We're not dying. So there's that type of continuation. But there's also, so again, so Chloe is wants to have a second child and she wants to use a surrogate, which is also like the future of, 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 like, uh, of like technologies of the body. And we've gotten mm-hmm. a little bit into surrogacy and I think that maybe we'll have even a whole episode on surrogacy because it's a really fascinating um, like relationship that the Kardashians have to their bodies and to blackness um, and to, you know, to like shit like that. Um, but so, so, but, but like the joke of the episode is that North, who is Kim's oldest daughter and her first child, there's like this parody account of North called Nori's Black Book. And they think at the beginning of the episode, they're like, this Instagram account must be from someone in our inner circle because it's so much like North. So it turns out that it's not, it's actually this like random woman. And this, this random woman is, she's black, which mm-hmm. I thought was very significant because totally. both, of, uh, both of Kim's surrogates, I think both of them have been black women as well. Yeah. They have. At least they're not they're not white women. And it was it's fascinating that this that this woman was black because she had kind of taken on the voice of North, like to a T. And in a way, she's she's like she like has this surrogate account on Instagram for North. And North was you know North uh, Kim was actually pregnant with North. It was only after yeah she wasn't surrogate. Yeah, so so I thought that I thought that that was that was something to me that that really that really stuck that really stuck out that there was like this um about the surrogacy of voice and narrative and the surrogacy of the of the infant right yeah I mean I think well I think that that surrogacy question is interesting in the conversation of like the family um because you know obviously they repeat the words the fam the family in this episode eight like 
a bajillion times. To me, I felt like I felt like the reassertion of the family was a way to like obscure this idea of finality or an ending. Yeah. The family, the family, the family. And, you know, it's different than like Chris, because Chris, the the money that the crew makes doesn't come from the Kardashians. As a family, it comes from the Kardashian brand. It comes from the E network. So they're actually all employees of E, which is something I didn't even think about until now. And I was also like the episode, it begins again with the, with the, it's a baby shower, you know? Yeah, so again, idea of like rebirth and going forward. It's like, it's, it's like on it. It's like deeply Christian. It's like, it's deeply. like very like Jesus story of like what lives on who is resurrected who is what voice who believes in what and something that I was I kept kept striking me throughout the episode is the people who care most about the show ending are the Kardashians you know what I mean like and they kind of make this like big deal about oh our fans are so sad our fans really care but I don't think a lot of I mean I mean, I've been watching the show for a while. I would say that it's, um, I would say that like critically or sociologically, it's, it's, it's kind of a big deal if you make it to be. I mean, I think that it's a big deal for like American pop culture, but I don't think that people are mourning it. It's not like something that people have like emotions over. Um, and I, but the Kardashians do. They have real emotions over this. And, and, and that, you know, I think that that's kind of like, you know, but, but because I think of even in terms of the, of like soap operas of like our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation, like people are sad when those soap operas end. Like I'm even sad. What was that? What was that show? Um, um, oh my God. It was that like Judd Apatow show, The Outsiders. Oh Yeah. I was really sad when, when I learned that that ended or skins, I watched skins religiously in high school. I was like sad when that ended. Yeah. Yeah. Because those characters I had fallen in love with so much. Right. I'm not sad about this. And I don't think that there's that grief and like, maybe it's because they like exist. Right. What I was going to say is that like, they're not characters who are like, we know that they're going to like live on but their story is gonna change if this show's not on, you know? Like, so in a way, like you're talking about like skins being sad, like, you know, that's like, you are losing a whole, like, cause those characters don't live, they're not real. Like you're losing their existence as being, is gone and the narrative is gone, which is the sad thing. Cause it's like the continuation of the story. You don't get to find out what happens. And I think like with the Kardashians, I think we're always gonna basically know what happened. So it's like, they're obviously, the Kardashians are ending it. It's like, it's like, a, it's a question of money. Yeah. You know, obviously. But they, they can make, make more in- money. Right. And they can make more money. And like, you can tell that like reality TV as we know it is turning into TikTok and it's turning into like even more immediate, more mm-hmm. like, like I saw a TikTok ad the other day that was like, it was like showing a TikTok of cats. And it was like, these can be your, like, these are your cats. Like, like these, the- <laughs> Are yours because they're on your phone and your TikTok, and I was like, you know what I mean? Like it's it's literally like because yet and because the people are even more anonymous because like they're yeah. not like oh, Kardashian has such an enviable lifestyle. It's just like people with fucking cats who you know that 
can like film them nice it feels more like you and I think that that I think that that is something that like we also wanted to we're kind of talking around or we've been thinking about for the past few weeks is like it's 2021 it's the beginning of a new decade technology is changing I mean it's a very obvious age you know we got these vaccines which are new like we don't know what the fuck the vaccines are going to do to our bodies except for right now they're preventing that I'm, I'm just, well that's that's a whole other conversation I'm just saying that there are like a lot of very immediate changes in technology yeah in communication in how to be social in what performance means and what yeah. connection means and I think that what we're also seeing on the entertainment front is a move from reality tv and just tv in general to more immediate forms of connection so you know I think that's what I'm saying about money I think that they can just make more money for less work and less people and less crew doing like Instagram or doing right. like lawyer shit or just like whatever the fuck that they're doing right and like the I think that that like the kind of um TikTok thing is is also about this like new kind of emphasis on a different kind of perspective like this like you know it's more interior subjective um like perspective which we wrap and yeah what happened to art seeking the cutting edge of creative expression today by Daniel Pinchbeck and he talks a lot about this like you know these are, there's all these these different kind of structures of of culture and and of art and and right now we are moving into one that's integral or a perspectival and also one that's very much focused on the interior and the subjective because of this increasingly digital and virtual and immediate world that we have access to with our phone and so I feel like that, I feel like somehow the the TikTok kind of vibe feels like more like interior. Like, I feel like that does feel like a more interior structure. And I feel like on keeping up like this episode felt like we were looking inside the show. It felt like we had been seeing this exterior of their whole thing. Like we, we had been revealed something from the outside and then we were getting this inside look and I feel like that's what's, that's definitely kind of what's next. And I feel like the interior to me is related to this kind of like student. Yeah. And something that also like this, we've, we talked about this before again, um, but this season is really boring. And this season, I don't yeah. like, I had to like make myself watch those two episodes and I wouldn't have watched them unless like we had this podcast and we were going to talk about them because it's like so boring. And I was, I realized the reason it's boring is, be, is, is because the show is now, it's not relatable anymore. And the show is now about the show. And I think that what's always drawn me to the Kardashians and what draws me to reality TV in general is it's not about, um, it's not about the, 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 the inaccessible lifestyle that you can't reach or the lives and the rich and the famous. It's about those lives, but it's also about the fact that like, they're just like us. Or like you, you, you can get so soothed or calmed by these like classic familial relationships, if it's like with the mother and the family, like in the Kardashians, or if it's like other iterations of the mother and the family dynamic in the friend groups of the Real Housewives, where even though they're living 
elaborate lifestyles, people, what do they call it? Like aspirational lifestyles. They still suffer from the same social minutia that, that we suffer from, but they resolve it because that's how reality, that, that is the narrative of reality TV. It's problem resolution, problem resolution. You see that on so many different scales, like scene, problem resolution, episode, problem resolution, yeah. problem resolution. Totally. Yeah. That's just like how it works um, because that's fun to watch and it's soothing to watch because, you know, my problems in my life and just problems in everyone's life, they don't, they lack that type of structure. And I think that's what makes yeah. them stressful. But I think that like having, having like, you know, it's like chaos. There's like chaos when there's an issue almost. And I think a lot of life is figuring out how to, how to, how to, how to work through what seems to be the increasing chaos of like Daniel Pinchback-ish argument, the increasing chaos of... Um, mm-hmm. He goes, we have exhausted the world of rebellion in last centuries. We rebelled against nature, order, God, the feminine, etc. We must therefore be scrabbling to find our way back towards a sacred vision of the world somehow or other. It is the only way that art can find its proper role and function again. And of course, art can also help to illuminate the path we traverse in between. But he was, but I feel like there, there's another part where he's just like, yeah, like artists have like hung themselves on the walls and like asked like the yeah. gallery view, like hurt them people have like sold their shit like and like we even see it like people have like put like a fucking like banana duct tape on the wall at uh wherever the fuck that was it's all been done like you can't go beyond that and if you do go beyond that it's just like kitschy and cliche and like no one really cares like we like we all understand that art is like a fucking capital structure and like and if you're an artist you can do whatever and it's gonna sell so I think that now he's saying like where do you go from here and he his thesis is you have to go to a sacred like like a sacred type of art you need to be it's like it's like figuring out an order almost for the chaos which is which 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 even extends to the chaos which art has become sure and I actually thought that this would be a really interesting way to consider Kanye because he is basically you know kind of known as this rebellious chaotic figure but in the past several years of his life he has made a distinct pivot towards the sacred and spiritual like he has he has Jesus has entered his life and he's very vocal about it his art has become Sunday service like there's and and I think that I feel like in a way I mean I mean that kind of makes sense I think I think Kanye lives a chaotic life in his own mind I think he lived a chaotic life through the Kardashians. And I think that he was seeking to put order to that. And I was also thinking about like Justin Bieber, who also like found God, like these two very major pop culture figures kind of have, they have exchanged their like kind of antics or they're, they're, they're wrapping their antics up with this move towards this, some sort of sacred, um, and not that their art is sacred, but that they are they are moving towards something like a sacred theme. They're moving towards God and religion in a very purposeful and obvious way. And it's not coded at all. But that's fascinating because I think that that's also just like, that's something artists have been doing since Jesus. Like, you know, G- Jesus was honest. Right. And then Jesus turned to Jesus and 
you know, Jesus was like, I am Jesus, but you know what I mean? It's like, Jesus was a carpenter, but that, that, that is, I think that is fascinating because a lot of you, you do see a lot of pop stars who are a little fucked up in the head or just like a lot of people who are fucked up, but, but do you see, but I think that the, like the turn to God, the turn, turn, that's like a classic turn that a lot of, I was just going to try to tie in another point from the Pinchbeck article, which I thought was really fascinating. Um, because so Gemma and I, or you and I, we've been like, we've been really fascinated with the, with the end, not, not even the end of reality TV. We've been obsessed with the future of reality TV. And every time I think, every time I've been trying to think through the future of reality TV, it always says the end. You know what I mean? It's like the future is something that is like beyond what's now, obviously. Thank you, Phoebe, for that insight. Um, (laughs) But I keep thinking about the end of the Kardashians is the future of reality television. And I also keep thinking about how when you think about the future of reality television, that is a question that's completely caught up with contemporary notions of time and what time has become. And that that I thought was the best part. He, he okay, so he's talking about the philosopher John Gebser. Um, and he goes... John Gebser thought we are in a transition between two, quote, structures of consciousness. This is more than a shift of views. When humanity reaches a new structure of consciousness, we enter into a new reality that is different possibilities inherent within it. Gebser wrote about these structures of consciousness as different ways of understanding and living in time as well as space. These structures, dot, 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 also transform humanity's self-awareness and change our individual consciousness. Each structure also has forms of artistic like ritual. Then over the past centuries, modernist and postmodern art reflected the consciousness of industrial civilization as humanity went through rapid changes. A great deal of 19th century impressionist painting, for example, focused on the new leisure activities, boating and such like, enjoyed by the bourgeois and working class in a world defined by the mechanical time of the clock, which separated work from leisure in a new way. Such anti-heroic and non-mythic themes would never have been deemed worthy for art for monumental paintings in the Renaissance or Middle Ages. So I just found that that was, and then, you know, and then he uh, puts in the the absinthe drinker by Manet. And it's funny because we've, uh, Manet is like, who we, is like the modernist painting that I feel like we talk about most on here. We did uh, The Women of Olympia's Throat. Um, that quote, I mean, I think it's pretty self, like, ex- self-explanatory, but, you know, he, he talks about like, what happens when, what happens in a society when time becomes mechanized because time actually time was created time as we know it was created in or time was standardized in america with the invention of train travel in the 1800s in order to standardize in order to to make it more efficient to bring materials from the east coast to the west coast you know so it's like obviously time 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 literally is money um, or time is created as like a form of 
of, of capitalist production. But I think that like with the mechanization and the standardization of time as Pinchbeck points out, there becomes like the work time and the leisure time. And I think that like, you, you see this reflected, you see the, the, this new obsession or this, this turn towards what is happening with time. Where, what are people doing? Like, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like this new understanding of time is reflected in the art. So the Absinthe Drinker by Manet is, is, is a painting of a woman just kind of like totally dazed, staring into space. Like it's not, it's not like a portrait. It's, it's, it's about what are people doing with leisure time? And I think that that is actually, that is also the obsession with reality television. What, what we're doing in our leisure time is you watch television of people who are working. But they're also, what I was thinking about him talking about leisure time and the bourgeois, like how Kardashian related that is. Because the Kardashians are literally lying around on giant white couches for most of the show that you watch. But I would also say that those two times, leisure time and work time, are filming. Like there's not there's not a separate time where there's leisure time to be filmed. Like I think that there's, that those times structures have been have begun to like collapse on each other and they're beginning they're becoming the same thing like leisure and work are becoming more uh into your work life yeah well that's i mean first right and that that totally reminds me of what you just said about the kardashians who are lounging but they're also kardashians mm-hmm. are obsessed with um with saying this is work you know, like they're, especially yeah. in this season, they're obsessed with justifying, they're lazing around and talking as some type of really hard work. You know, this is yeah. really hard and really intense to be on this show, even though it just seems like they're just kind of like hanging out and drinking their tea and eating their salad. But that it also reminds me of the next paragraph in the pinchback. Sorry, I'll stop. I'll stop just like reading it and being like, yeah, that tracks. No, no, it's good. It's good. We'll link the article. We'll link to the article, people. Um, He says, the discovery of perspective in the Renaissance profoundly changed art as well as human subjectivity. For the first time, we fully entered the spatial realm. In a sense, Gebser wrote, we become possessed by space and matter. We saw everything for the next centuries after that in terms of space and matter. This included intensities that cannot really be defined as spatial or material, such as time and distance. We still think of time as akin to a material quantity. We talk about wasting time or spending time or running out of time. This is a distorted perception as time is not comparable to space, which I, mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that kind of is reality TV, that, that obsession of, of how time is tracked spatially or how to witness the, the evolution of a family or how to make time into like, not only like when the net of, of like, of like the time that it's on cable, but, um, but how to just like track a family and to seem as like, like to make time into something that's like, like, like a reality. I don't know. I'm not really saying this right, mm-hmm. but, I, but it really has to do with, I think, that switch from reality as a noun to reality as an adjective. It's, it's doing something with yes. time. It's distorting it, but it's using time as its own distortion, time as like its own Ouroboros that is conflated with, with these other things happening in the world. You get time and space that actually don't really have anything to do with each other, 
but are mechanized to have everything to do with each other in terms of economics. And that is, is, is a marriage between time and space that becomes so ingrained that it, it, it becomes what reality TV is. Like, like reality TV is that complete enmeshment of time and space which is just the conclusion yeah. of the assumption of the economic system. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, I had that quote too, because I think it's just, I mean, I think it's hard to, I think it's hard to really articulate. I think it's, I think it's a, it's kind of a complicated notion. Like, I don't know, I think, but I think that it is, it does feel really, really related to like watching reality TV and like the way that reality TV works. And I would also say like something that they kept kind of referring to about the show is they kept calling it a journey and how filming has been a journey. And I think, you know, in talking about time and space, like a journey is about a period of time. It's about like moving through a period of time, but a journey does not necessarily necessitate an ending because a journey can be like a journey towards something. It doesn't have to be a journey that you like a destination or in our lives. Yeah, and like the most epic of journeys, you think of the Odyssey, you think of the Inferno, you think of Inanna, Gilgamesh. Yeah. All, um, well, first of all, the Inferno begins in the middle. He, wa- he wakes up and he's like in the middle of it. He's like in the middle of hell, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so already there's this relationship between when does the journey start? The journey starts um, in the middle, but then you also have journeys like um, you have like you you have like Persephone, you have uh, you have Odysseus, you have I can remember. Anyway, my point my point <laughs> about those stories is that they go to the underworld, so it's like they die, they're enacting death, but that's only the middle of the story. Like the story technically ends in the death, it occurs in the middle. And then and then and then the other part of the journey is is climbing up out of it, or what happens after you experience the end. You know, and those uh, because Odysseus, right. the uh the Odyssey begins when he's away. The Odyssey begins in in a total moment of chaos, you know? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you're like, oh, this guy's going to come home. And then he does come home, but that's not the end of the story. He comes home and then this whole process of recognition and of the repetition. And then he has to leave again and then come back. So, so yeah. I think that that's like that, that just like it is like I think that the Kardashians, I think consciously they do understand themselves to be heroes of the American culture, and they become extremely self uh, um Kim calls her friend, uh, not food god, but the other guy. Simon. She calls Simon, and Simon's like, oh my god, like, you guys are so important to American pop culture, and Kim's like, I know, that's why it's so sad. So they obviously see themselves as, like, Inanna, Gilgamesh, Dante, who Odysseus figures of American pop culture but I think that on another level on a I don't want to say a meta level but just on like a level of like of like watching the show from a critical standpoint they also are taking similar journeys with the ending of the show occurring in the middle that's a very smart point Phoebe Kaufman I also think that um Simon also says something interesting that I have written down which is like 
we all knew this moment would come. Like, which is like, you know, that that just feels like you're talking about like a lifespan. Like we all know death will come. Like we all have known this is going to come, you know, this idea of like, but yeah, this, this journey that like, that they've been on that like all of their close friends like knew at some point the show was going to stop, but they didn't know when, or they couldn't actually imagine it. Um, and that seemed, that was, that just felt kind of interesting to me. It's kind of like, oh, we all knew this world, which is just kind of funny. Also, I just want to do a little non-critical uh, side note that Kim was eating soup for breakfast. She was eating soup for breakfast? She was eating soup for breakfast. It was the morning and she was eating but soup. I think girls, I'm going to I mean, soup. they wake up. I mean, I think, I think in episode nine, like Chloe reveals that she wakes up at 4.30 every single morning. So I think that like, by the time like 9 a.m. comes around, that's like their lunch. I think, oh, it's I think lunchtime. Lunch. I'm still sleeping <laughs> at 9 a.m. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm still sleeping yeah. until noon, which is their dinner every day. But did we want to, yeah, talk about the collapsing of time structures. Did we want to um, circle back to kind of finish off with the um, vulture that talks about the end of Kimye? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, let me, uh, let me pull that up. Can I just, I just want to make a point about this episode, though, because, like, we, for, yeah. for, for avid listeners, you'll notice that we haven't had an episode in a couple of weeks, and I think that part of that is because we have just been, like, really thinking, because we're like, oh, we'll have an episode on the future of reality TV, but that, I mean, it's, it's, it's really a question and like so much of reality TV, it, it's really difficult to articulate. And I think that you get that a lot when you're, when you're dealing with quote unquote lowbrow um, or pop culture, mm -hmm. there's something that's incredibly significant that goes beyond just like it's mass media. And there's always something like inherently significant in, in mass and what's going on. Um, but I think that the future of it understood through the ending of the Kardashians, it is incredibly significant. And we all kind of know why non-verbally, but I think that trying to parse through it and trying to figure out what it, what it means, if anything, it's really hard to have, to, 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 to figure out those arguments. But there was, uh, what's her name? Allison P. Davis, she's great. Allison P. Davis. Big fan. Come on the pod, yeah, Alice. We'd love to have I follow the on end Twitter. of Kimye's wild ride. She thought he was an artistic genius. He wanted to dip her ass in gold. And now it's over. Brilliant. I mean, I do feel like the end of their marriage and the end of the show, that, that feels emotional. I'll be honest. <laughs> Well, they're just so, I think part, I mean, part of, part of the article that she writes in Vulture, which we'll also link to, um, part of it is that like, um, like their marriage and the show have been totally in sync, you know, mm -hmm. or like they all were Life of Pablo merch season yeah, as like free advertising or like they all go to Sunday school and they all witness Kanye's breakdown. Sunday, right. 
yeah, Sunday service. And like, but, but, but they get to narrativize like Kanye's breakdown as like, oh, it's because Kim was robbed at gunpoint. You know what I mean? So I think that like, it's, it's very indicative that the ending of their marriage is the ending of the, of the show. And then also Alice or Alison P. Davis uh, writes really like fluently and elegantly and articulately and eloquently um, about, about like socially what Kim and Kanye had given each other. And from Kanye has got like, you know, she talks about like the Met Gala and how like Kim was blacklisted from the Met Gala, but then Kanye got her on the cover of fucking Vogue and now the whole family goes to the Met Gala. But now- I know, and now they're like Anna Winter's right, and now Kim has like surpassed it. And now at the, the last sentence of the article, it's like so good. She, uh, she writes, she writes, at this point, at the end of this epic relationship, one could more feasibly imagine a Kim presidential one than a Kanye one. Yeah, that was that was a really good point so because true. like it's so well. That's so that's what I think this this article is great at illuminating this like thing about you know with the end of the show like this journey like there's an arc here, and like we have seen Kim's we have seen a pretty serious full arc from Kim. We have seen you know the Chris Humphreys, the 90 day marriage, the smoky eye bandage dresses, the Ibiza, the being like, just like the trashiest of trashy. And then we've seen her arc to like being married to Kanye and Vogue and like her like legal involvements and her political involvements, you know, well, I mean, it also makes sense that like her arc no longer includes Kanye because she has now surpassed whatever socially he has allowed for her and he actually might compromise her position as a yeah, public she's figure. also gotten the beautiful famous half black babies that she's desired I mean that that's another episode I mean it's one of, it's one of the most uh fucked up well I don't want to say fucked up but it is very messed up how they all desire and there's 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 a lot in this article um about that but how they all desire black I, right, I was really drawn to the quote. Also, can I, I'm just going to read it it's in its entirety because yeah. it's great. She writes, this is right after the Met Ball stuff. Uh, she goes, in 2016, cultural critic Sylvia Obel, in an article about the soap level, the soap opera level relationship drama between Rob Kardashian and Black China, which included a love triangle with Kylie and Black China's ex, rapper Taika, noted the hairstyles, body parts, clothing, slang, and social media tactics that aided in the Kardashian-Jenner empire building and pointed out that the family had, quote, long acquired their spots at these tables by borrowing from Black culture, end quote. Along with Kanye, the Kardashian-Jenners have dated or married some of the world's biggest Black hip-hop and sports celebrities, including Travis Scott, Tyga, Lamar Odom, ASAP Rocky, Ben Simmons, Corey Gamble, Reggie Bush, James Harden, and Tristan Thompson. Khloe Kardashian has been documented saying she has, quote, never seen a white penis, end quote. Their relationships with Black men and the multiracial children they had with them seem to offer some sort of cultural cover for their appropriation. Um, and I actually think that 
Right. I think that they want, they want blackness so bad. I don't, that they want black kids, like identity. Well, that legitimizes their relationship to blackness because they have black children. Right, right, right. And right. The way I was going to say that was that they've taken their identity politics have gone so far that they're like the only way that is going to be culturally okay for me to engage with blackness in culture is to have a seat at the black table, so to speak, or whatever, right, by having black children with prominent black men. And the one black woman that was involved with in Black China has been so beyond vilified, beyond, way beyond, beyond. vilified. And she, you know, I don't, again, I don't know the specifics, but there was that whole thing when, when, when Rob and Black China were breaking up on the show she's abusive she's crazy she's insane she's like she's like money hungry they were she's trying to like take all their money right the welfare queen i mean not welfare she was kind of like scrappy yeah exactly it was definitely a stereotype of like a welfare single american stereotype contemporary american stereotype about black women and black mothers was applied to her until she was out of the family but and yeah, and now she's like still their like enemy number one. Like they're like not as opposed to someone like Tristan or Lamar Odom, who, you know, both of them really fucked Chloe over, but they're both kind of heroized. And again, that's another discussion. But right, but I do think and I think that the the idea of surrogacy, I wrote a note in that where it's like even the even the surrogate Instagram handle is by a black woman, is by these like black cultural figures, icons, whatever, giving voices to and through their their own whiteness which can also i guess be understood as a type of futurity as a type of continuation as a type of like surrogacy technology which i don't know which 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 does something about the future of their own whiteness and the history of their own whiteness definitely i think i think that's i think it's an important part of the discussion of like with at least with the kardashians like what next what's the futurity because they they are they have given way to this legacy of of black children who you know very well might be a part of the continuation of the right and and but at the same time they have discarded kim has discarded the black male figure in her life the prominent black male figure who's given her her children she's now discarded him and and i'm not saying like you know she's discarded him for some like you know he seems like it would be kind of a nightmare to be married to him but that part is pushed away and now she's looking towards these like hybrid figures that she's created that are both her and part of Kanye you know there's like there's there's definitely a movement that their divorce signals and that it totally lines up with the movement and the arc of the show ending right and exactly exactly because now that she has four black children with him she doesn't need him anymore no and that's that's the dark, dark, dark part about the Kardashians is that they will always be able to move forward and their children have become their vehicles for which they can now just rest on their laurels because they've they've kind of produced. Yeah, it's a, I, I, we should we should think about somebody who might be good to have them. Um, I also loved in the Kardashians episode, the the houses like Chris moving and then her mom moving and this like it was very like the houses felt very metaphor and like Kim's house is yet again under construction um you know that that was an interesting the houses are always important but the houses as these like 
as these narrative forms in the show of like Chris is moving like that felt that felt pretty you know monumental in terms of the ending of the show like Chris moving out of that house that we know the foyer so well of you know that felt like a real nod to the viewers of like that was something they wanted us to feel emotional about because I think that's something that most people have a relationship to which is like this you know this moving out of a of a child at home or your parents moving out or these houses houses contain all those feelings in them I thought that that was really clever and interesting that they included that in the narrative of this episode yes speaking speaking of futurity of course you have to consider the archive and their house is is an archive um so i mean it's endless you know what i mean it's it's yeah i think that i think that the emotional history of anything is is endless and um and i and i and i think that you know I think there's an there's an infinity via both the space of reality and the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the thing about an archive is like, what do you do? What does an archive signal? It it always signals a looking back. You have to go back into the archive. Like when archives are completed or what an archive is, is an archive infers the action of repeat of looking back at it. You know, like an archive doesn't just sit there you or it does but the whole point of an archive is that you have an access to the past and that therefore once an archive is built you must revisit it which I think is an interesting way to think about maybe this next step for reality tv and Andy Cohen's new show of he's he's going back into the archive he's doing a deep dive we're going to talk about um in the next in the next coming weeks so stay tuned yeah and watch it if you want you should yeah keep up keep up with money can't buy you class. with yeah keeping up with money can't buy you class. change the name of k-u k-u m-c-w <laughs> let's try to do hashtag let's try to let's on, on the count of three let's try to make the acronym keeping up with money can't buy you class one two three k-u-w-w m M-C-B-Y-C. That was it. Hashtag K-E-W-M-C-B-Y-C. <laughs> yes. Yeah, on Twitter. Um, yes, and it's also the season of abundance for reality TV. We have all the new pilots out, or the new se- the new premieres, which is very exciting. Yeah, we didn't even get to the season premiere of Beverly Hills. For any listeners who are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Jump in now. You got a premiere. You got a fresh start. You're nervous about going back in time. I understand. It can be disorienting. Right now, you have live. You have it at your fingertips. I would also say that if you've never watched reality TV, you know, maybe, maybe don't. Maybe like I want you to listen to our podcast, but maybe for your own sake, for your own sanity, maybe this this is not for you. You know, count. Yeah, we're already sick and yeah, we already have the don't illness. Go into it. So. so because right, I would. Steer clear. I wouldn't recommend this to a friend. I would. Um, so there you go. There's our endorsement. Reality TV 2022. All right. Well, see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>